Let's uh, open up our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to jump right in this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm excited to share with you this morning. I hope you're just fired up to be here, that we're ready to be engaged and hear the Word of God preached this morning. I, I am just a vehicle. Uh, I'm, I, I hope and pray that I just sink into the background and that we're able to just see and hear what God is going to tell us this morning from His Word. Amen? We're going to read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 is where we're going to start. And it says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Jesus and of Jesus our Lord. He is our Jesus, right? He's our Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Let's go ahead and go to God in prayer this morning. God, we pray that You're with us here this morning. God, we thank You for this message that Peter gives us. That we can have grace and peace in abundance if we learn about you and we learn about your son Jesus. God, thank you for the divine power that you've given us, really, through you, God, and through your divine power, you've given us everything that we need to live a godly life. God, I pray that our knowledge of you and of Christ increases so that we can unlock that power. God, I pray that we would listen to your calling, that we would give everything up for your glory, for your goodness, and that we would treat these as precious promises. God, I pray that you're with us this morning, and that uh, we'll be guided in this time by your word. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. 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 So we're talking about discipling. We've, uh, we've built the foundation on Jesus. The next step is that we would talk about discipling. That just means, how can I live out my life for Jesus? How can I be His follower? How can I do what He wants in His, in His great plan for me and for my life? And in 2 Peter chapter 1, we get a great vision of how this is supposed to start working. We know the foundation is on Jesus. That's what we are disciples of. That's who we are disciples of. This doesn't work without Jesus and his principles. But now, how do I do it? How do I, how do I actually live that out? And, and, and here in 2 Peter, we're told, man, Jesus has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. This happens through our knowledge of Him. The more that we learn about Him, the more we're able to figure out how to do this. He's called us. That's exciting. He's called you and me. He's called all of us to do this through His own glory and goodness. Okay, so that's pretty exciting. We start off and we've been given everything that we need to live a godly life. Awesome. That's great. Doesn't know, mean that we know what to do with it, but we've, we've got it all. It's been given to us. He's actually called me to use what he's given so that I would go ahead and live out this godly life. That, that, that sounds like a good plan. And, okay, so, so, so now what? what? What happens? Well, we have a choice. Uh, let's keep on reading here in verse 4. I want to show you this choice that you've been given. We all have this choice that we get to make. Verse 4, it says, 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. Wow, that's awesome. We, we get to participate in the divine nature of God. And while doing that, we can escape the corruption of the world. <laughs> Man, does anybody in this room feel a little bit trapped, a little bit held back by the corruption of this world? I, I, feel, I feel held back by the corruption of uh, Illinois taxes, you know, let, let alone the whole world. You, know? but you're, you, you, can, you can escape the corruption of the world if you make the choice to live in his divine nature. Man, divine, that means it's, it's out of this world. It means that it's so different. Man, but you, you have a choice, though. Hey, you, it's not automatic. You've got to make the choice to live in this way. Or else, you know what will happen? You will live by the sinful and corrupt nature of this world. You got to make that choice, right? Man, I'm telling you one thing right now. And in the political uh, season that we're going into and everything else, look, there is only one way that you will be able to escape the corruption of this world, and it is right here. It is by participating in the divine nature of God. Nothing else will help you escape the corruption of this world. Because as long as this world exists, there is no way that you will escape this corruption unless you embrace, I'm going to live by God's divine nature. That's it. You can only control yourself. You can't control all the, the everything else that happens. Hey, you, you use this awesome freedom that you have in this nation to vote however you think you know, is going to help our country move in the right direction. But I'm telling you right now, there's no way you'll escape unless you do it in this way. That's it. That's it. Okay, well, what do I do with all that? Hey, thanks. Okay, we're okay. Yeah, what do I do with that? Okay, great. Well, hey, guess what? Isn't it awesome how the Word of God just takes it step by step? You've got to understand verse 4 before you understand verse 5 and so on. Just like Steve was talking about the context. When you understand the context of what was going on in that story, didn't it make it so much more impacting for you? Man, Jesus walking up and saying, man, I, I'm about to kick some butt. Here we go. You know, go, go to the demon's doorstep and say, what's up? Come on. That's amazing. Verse 5, check it out. This is what we now do with this knowledge. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and mutual affection love. It's kind of Yoda-esque, right? Like, and I can't, I can't, no, I can't do a good impersonation or else I'd try. I didn't work on it enough. That wasn't the most of it. But we're, we're given these steps, man. Make every effort to add to the faith that you have, the belief that you yeah, I believe that Jesus is the right way. I, I do. I believe it. Yeah. Where do you go from there? And we're, we're given these steps. All right, Peter. Well, that's a lot of things. Yes? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? That, that's what the life of a disciple looks like. Okay. A discipleship is all about saying, Jesus, you're my Lord. You get every part of me. That, that's why we sing... Uh, withholding nothing today. That, that, that's why we sing that. I give you all of me. 
I give you all of me. And we can't just say it a couple times. We've got to say it like 50 times because I don't want to give you all of me. I'd like to keep this little part to myself. No, but I'll give you all of me withholding nothing, withholding nothing. It takes, it takes a couple times to sing that to start, okay, yeah, yeah, that part too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all to you. Man. Here's the great news. Hey, you don't have to do this all by yourself. Hey, let, let, let's, uh, let's talk to one another for a second. All right. Uh, look over to your neighbor and say, hey. 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 That's kind of Midwestern, right? Hey. Okay. And then now, now, now you got their attention. Say, look, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> hey, look. I'm glad I don't got to do this by myself. All right, cool. All right, good. All right, here's this thing. Maybe, maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you've heard about this thing. It's called discipling. I want to show you something. Uh, I, don't, I don't often do this. I don't often do this, but I did it this week. I'm like, you know, I'd love to see just what the definition of this word is. What does the world say about that? Let's look at it. So this is, oh, wait, I know you can't see that. I know you can't read it. You, we, can't, we can't make the font bigger. So here, you know what? Actually, uh, let, let's zoom in a little bit. Let's just, I wanted to show you this. So disciple, used as a verb, it, it says two things, okay, disciple, discipling, it has, in the dictionary definitions, two things to say about discipleship as a verb. The first is that it's archaic, the second, that it's obsolete. <laughs> Let me tell you about what those words mean. <laughs> okay, so as a verb, as a verb, the act of being a disciple... It's first off archaic. That means it is not part of our culture anymore. Archaic means it is no longer in everyday use, but it's sometimes used to impart an old-fashioned flavor. That's trash right there. Okay, <laughs> obsolete, obsolete. Using this definition to say this is an, uh, a thing that we're going to teach and train. It's obsolete. That means it's no longer produced. It's no longer used. It is out of date. That is, that is offensive and it's contradictory. To be a disciple means that you're a follower and a learner. It means that you're a pupil. So how can you become a disciple, which is a learner and a pupil, if there's no one to help convert you to become one in the first place, and then there's no one to teach you or train you how to do it after you've become one. The, the actual definition is that you would be a learner. That means that someone is teaching you. This definition and the verb usage of the definition are totally in conflict with one another. That's why, well, the only way to make this thing work is to call it archaic and obsolete. I want to show you something in Acts chapter 8. Let's go take a look. Acts chapter 8. Look, I am fired up about this example. Because what it shows me is somebody who wants it. Who has a little bit of fire in their belly. That they will do anything it takes. They will make every effort to let Jesus change their life. Check this out. Verse 26 in Acts chapter 8, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. 
if an angel tells you to do something, you probably should, you know, listen to what he said. So he started off, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the candidate. How'd you like to be the treasurer of a whole uh, country or whole region of the world? That's a lot of responsibility. We're, we're just trying to figure out how to have, you know, a treasurer on our board. You know, uh, I mean, it's, that's, that's a big deal, right? This man had gone from Jerusalem uh, gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he's sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, and the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip runs up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. And I kind of imagine that, like, the chariot's going along, and, you know, he, he's got to kind of, hey, hey, you know, I, I, I'm coming. He had to get, he'd run up and catch up to it and say, hey, 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 do you understand what you're reading? And this random, total stranger... <laughs> He just goes, uh, how, can, how, how can I understand it unless someone is there to explain it to me? Hop on into the chariot and help me understand what the heck I'm reading, because I don't know. And then we know the story goes on. He uses that very passage of scripture to explain the good news about Jesus. Can you imagine that ever happening? You're driving down the road and, you know... Uh, <laughs> You're at a stoplight, and you're, you're just, you know, thumbing through the Bible or something, like, in, and somebody, hey, you understand what you're reading? Actually, I, I've now uh, begun to do that in, like, in the real world. If I see somebody reading the, the Bible in public, I will always ask, hey, do you understand what you're reading? No one yet has said, how can I, unless someone explains <laughs> They're usually like, I'm a minister, go away, you know, or something. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Do we have that kind of humility? Do we have that kind of willingness to say, man, I just want to learn. Please come help me. I, I, I need you in my life to help me understand what I'm reading. I don't know. Now, sometimes in our lives, uh, th there's a situation where someone comes to us to help us learn. In the campus ministry, uh, right now, you guys have kind of a unique period of life uh, where Michelle and I have said, you know, if you're in the campus ministry, you're going to be discipled by somebody. And we kind of assign it, and, and, and we, we say, well, here's the folks that we think can help. This is what it's going to be. And then the, these people come into your life and help you. And I think we all benefit from that kind of thing. Uh, now, when you leave the campus ministry, you, you kind of get into a different life situation. And now, a lot of times, you've got to go out and find somebody to help you. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it's like. And, and it's a little bit more difficult to go out and find somebody. But there's a lot of good-hearted people that do that. A lot of people in our church have done that. You know, you, you connect with one another. Hey, I need some help. Would you come help me? I, hey, I need some advice. Can you be the person to give me advice in my life so that I can, you know, live out discipleship and not in an archaic uh, or obsolete way, right? <laughs> and so uh, let me paint a picture for you, a, a quick scenario of, of something that maybe could happen or has happened uh, right here in our church. Let's say you're a married couple. Uh, you've got, maybe you've got some kids, uh, and you'd love to get some input about your marriage and about your parenting, because you're a good disciple of Jesus, and you want to glorify God with all the areas of your life. And so you say, you know what, it would really be great for us to uh, get some advice from somebody who's married. Uh, and, and Michelle, what do you think? Uh, 10 years, 20, no, okay, 30 years. Let's go with 30 years of marriage experience. That, that, that's the kind of people that we want to have advice from. Okay, and then well, what about their kids? We can't just respect them. We've got to respect their kids as well. All their kids have to be, well, you know, just one kid being a disciple? Or, and then that could be a fluke. 
Uh, two, ah, maybe not. Okay, all, like let's say that three kids like us, three out of three, all disciples. Okay, great. Because at that point, you like your odds. There's at least something going on, right? Okay. Now on top of that, let's say uh, uh, maybe they've got professional counseling experience, and uh, I don't know. Let's have them be an elder of the church too. Okay. And so now you boiled it down into all these potential places where you could get uh, advice from, and all is left is the Cochrans. Hey, uh, hey, Ron and, Ron and Patty, uh, do you think that we could get some uh, discipling from you? And, and then so, unfortunately, uh, you know, Michelle and I get really excited and we think, well, yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what we're going to do. Uh, on Sunday morning, we're going to go up and say, hey, will you be our discipleship partners? And then so we go over and, and Ron and Patty go, yikes, I've got, uh, you know, all of these clients and I'm already discipling all these couples and I'm, and I'm on the church board and I got... And they have to say, you know what, actually, I can't. I can't do it. It's not possible. Because we're all limited by time and energy and space. And, I mean, there's only 24 hours in the day, and Ron and Patty are using a lot of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then so the, the, the way that a disciple responds to that, okay, hopefully they would respond by saying, you know what, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's not that they don't like me or they don't believe in me, or they don't want to waste their time on me. It's, it's obviously none of those things. It's obviously none of those things. And, and I, I'm using Ron and Patty as an example, but this, this kind of thing happened. You know what? Actually, I don't have the capacity to help. And so what does a disciple do? A, a disciple makes every effort, every effort to add to their faith goodness and goodness, all, all the other things that would follow. Now, man, this kind of becomes tough, right? Because what it means is it demands <laughs> that you would have a humble mindset in your discipleship. You know what it also does? It highlights that discipleship is not 100% about the person, but about the willingness of the person to use God's word, which is perfect, which is always available to us, which is limitless in its potential possibility and its wisdom. Now, of course, we want to have great examples in our life that we follow after, but the heart of a disciple says, I'm going to make every effort, no matter what, to get this in my life. Uh, there's a lot of different things that we do in church, and uh, I've kind of got some images that represent some of those different things. On a, on a Sunday morning service, we come together and we hear the Word of God preached. Uh, we, we sing. We, we remember Jesus as we take communion together. Uh, preaching is a little bit different than teaching. It's teaching with a warning. <clears throat> Our uh, sermons are, are more, or at least we try to have them be, more inspirational. It, well, I'm going to get fired up about God's word so that I would then go study it out more on my own and then talk about it with the people that are in my life, right? That's, that's our goal on a Sunday morning. Bible class has a different function, right? Bible class is more about deeper biblical study, uh, more of a teaching kind of environment. And so we go to Bible class to get some of that. We go to our church service to get some of the, the other things, right? Uh, we, we do contribution, and that's a way that we worship God. And uh, Not to mention that all of our children are downstairs, and they're learning and being inspired to, 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 you know, to understand the gospel in the ways that they can understand it. In our house churches, right, our house churches, they also serve a different function. 
uh, we can't really like form a lot of fun memories and family in this environment. We can't do it in Bible class. You know, and so we use our house churches uh, to kind of do that more. And we, we pray more specifically about what's happening in our family group. And we start to discuss what happened on Sunday so that we can begin to apply what was talked about on Sunday. Because if we just preach a message here and then we don't do anything about it or find out how to apply it to our lives, then it kind of dies at, uh, you know, uh, by, by 12.15 on a Sunday. And you're like, man, that's a heck of a lot of work for it to be all done by 12.15, right? And, 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 and we have social events with the church too, right? And the primary, uh, the, really the, the primary thrust of those events, like we're, we're, why are we having a, a Wizard of Oz murder mystery? Why would we take time to do that? Well, I mean, we're, this is a family and we're going to have fun together. And so we provide opportunities like that, but Man, we would be totally missing out if we didn't also use that as an opportunity to bring friends into our community and say, hey, I'd love for you to come and just eat dinner and have a good time with us. And so if that's not even on our radar, then, man, we're treating those times incorrectly. We've got to say, man, I, of course I'm going to try to bring a friend to the Wizard of Oz murder mystery. You know, that just becomes part of what we do, right? Okay, so why do I... Do all of that. Okay, we have all these different things, but none of those things that I've said so far helps you actually do the things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nothing that I just said, it's all about talking about doing the things. It's all about learning how we might apply the things. It's about praying about the things and hoping that God magically makes it work. No, 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 no. We need to take all of those things but then there's another step. And the other step is that you would have somebody in your life to help hold you accountable to doing the things that you have been inspired, informed, educated, learned how to apply. It is the last piece of it is somebody to help you actually go ahead and do it. Right? Somebody so it's called <laughs> discipling. And it's not and it's not archaic or obsolete. It's actually totally necessary that we would have that in our life. Um, I, I was trying to think of, like, what, what's an analogy that I could use uh, to try to hammer this home? And maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. So let's say, uh, you know, I've got a couple tries. So let, let's, let's say that uh, you were really, uh, you know, feeling like you wanted to eat a pizza for lunch. Okay? Man, I love a good pepperoni pizza right about now, you know? It's uh, February, I've been washing my calories a little bit, you know? Man, I'd love just a pepperoni pizza, right? And so <clears throat> you're like, hey, there's a, there's a drive-through, a restaurant, a food service area. It's a, you know, it, 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 it's a Burger King, right? And then so you go, <laughs> you go through the drive-through of the Burger King, and the, and the nice guy says, yeah, hey, well, you know, what, what do you, what do you want? And you say, I'd love a pepperoni pizza. What do they say to you? Yeah, try Papa John's, it's across the street, like... We don't do that here. <laughs> All right. So this is what I'm going to propose. All right. This is what I'm going to pr propose. Uh, you've got your personal Jesus time. That's you and Jesus. And you're studying the Bible yourself so that you can be a Berean, somebody of noble character who studies out and understands the word of God. That's something that you can only do with God. And the benefit from that will only come if you actually do that. Yeah. 
that's not going to happen in Bible class. That's not going to happen during the Sunday sermon. That's not going to happen during the Wizard of Oz murder mystery. You know what I'm saying. Now, and in your personal prayer time, no one's going to connect with God in your personal prayer time. That's a you and God thing, right? Now, if, if you went to the... I just want to paint this picture, right? If you go to the Wizard of Oz uh, murder mystery and you think that your spiritual biblical study needs are going to be met during that time, it's the equivalent of driving through Burger King and asking for a pizza. That's not what this is about. You're missing the point. This doesn't work like that. And so now, let's just say you come to the sermon and you say, you know what? Man, I really wish we would have some opportunities for deep biblical teaching around here. You're at, you're at Burger King asking for a pizza. Because, okay, so now there is so much that we can do in 25 minutes, 30 minutes. We can't do 45 minutes worth of teaching that happens just on the other side of that wall. Okay, man, I really wish I had some more connection to this group. I wish I had some more family. But you only show up on Sunday morning. That's, that's not what this time is for. This, this is about worshiping God only. That's what this is for. We remember Jesus as we take communion together. We worship God. So, so I, do, are you thinking about the meetings of the body and what those things are for? Are you thinking about them for what they're for? Or are you trying to order a pepperoni pizza at the Burger King drive-thru? Now, look, look. There are some things that will only work if you're in a discipling relationship. Because that is the only time that you're going to get that thing in the way that the Bible talks about you getting it. It's the one another way. Does that all make sense? All right, I've been uh, off notes, so give me a quick give me a quick moment. <laughs> you know, um, Here it is. Here it is. You know, I, I don't. I, you can go ahead and put me on the official record as saying this. I don't know where that official record exists, uh, but if anybody's keeping track, go ahead and feel free to take this thought, put my name by it. Here it is. If if you don't give other people the authority to teach you, instruct you, guide you, and yes, even command you to do certain things in your life, you will severely limit your own potential. If you don't give other people the authority to teach you, instruct you, guide you, and yes, even to command you to do certain things, you will severely limit your own potential. Why is that? Well, for one, uh, though you may not think that this is the case, you do not always know what is best for you. And I certainly do not always know what is best for me. You might know what you feel more accurately than anyone. You might understand what you think more clearly than anyone. And you're probably the best informed when it comes to knowing what you want. However, experiencing any of those feelings, thoughts, or wants does not mean that you know what is the best for you. It does not mean that you know the best way to process your feelings in a godly way. It doesn't mean that you know how to best manage your thoughts in a godly way. And it definitely doesn't mean that you automatically know how to persevere on the straight and narrow in light of your wants or desires. 
Uh, I think this weekend is a great example of this. Uh, Steve Smith has been here all weekend, and uh, as was mentioned, he's with the staff and with the elders, with the board. Uh, you know, we've been doing uh, different meetings and things, and in my short time with Steve uh, this weekend, I know two things. One, when it comes to church finances and uh, kind of like the, the, the oversight of a church and how all the bylaws work and all that stuff, he's an expert, right? And so I would be foolish uh, or, uh, you know, in, in some, the church would be foolish. You were like, yeah, thanks for coming all this way. We're going to kind of, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. Like, for, for, forget about all the advice. That you, yeah, forget it. Uh, I also know about Steve that he knows way more about wine than I'll ever know. And uh, at the wine tasting, he's telling me that there's things about the wine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever you say. Uh, yeah. I'm, tart green apple. Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm, it, but there's a certain level of expertise that you just got to understand, like, yeah, man, I'm going to defer to you on this one. And, and we've got to say, for the people in our life, we've got to just say, hey, look, I want you to come on in. I want you to help me. I, I want to be, be led by you, guided by you, because of what you know. And, the, of course, the key in all of that is, are they following after the example of Christ, and are they using the word of God? Because that, that, that's what the foundation is, right? That's a given, of course. If it's not about Jesus and it's not about his word, then uh, the grounds by which they're speaking on are not uh, solid ground. It's sinking sands, right? And that, that, that's what we've got to do. Hey, uh, I want to give you some examples of uh, my own disciples, and then we'll close out here in just a minute. Uh, I've, I've uh, been blessed to have a lot of people in my life really help me. Um, in the teen ministry, a guy named Michael Faircloud, uh, he taught me to, to question uh, what I thought I knew and, and to study the Bible deeply on my own. And that led to a, a desire to study the Bible deeper and then eventually to become a disciple. Uh, a guy named Dave Pachta uh, instilled in me the idea that uh, living uh, your life as a disciple is an adventure. It's an adventure. And he, he took me on adventures with him and then taught me about that to kind of take those two things and put them together. He showed me that uh, true manliness can be defined and it's equated to righteousness. You know, if you're righteous, that's actually the most manly thing that you can do. He helped me see how ridiculously prideful that I was. Uh, he helped me understand that being vulnerable is not only necessary for disciples, but it's one of the most beautiful gifts that God has ever given us. Just to be vulnerable. and That, that then gives you the opportunity to grow. Uh, Tony Singh taught me how to lead a great Bible discussion, and he modeled for me what a discipleship time really should look like. Uh, Tracy and Phyllis's son, Clint, helped me to, to learn how to study the Bible with people, and, and he was there with me in college when Michelle and I were dating, and you know, if he wasn't there to navigate through that dating relationship, uh, we, we probably would not have stayed together, not have gotten married, not be here, not have the three most beautiful kids possible. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Eastman uh, taught me to rethink what I knew about worship and uh, that, you know, God, worship doesn't just happen in worship services, but it's every aspect of your life. And uh, as a newly married man, Dustin Wood uh, taught me and encouraged me uh, to love Michelle as I love myself and just to pray more, be more prayerful. And then when we went to Vermont, uh, Michael Balzer leads the church there, and he, he taught me how important it was to just be warm and loving, to love people deeply. And I, I'm still trying to uh, get, get a hold of that one and just touch people in, you know, in, in fellowship and say, hey, I love you, bro. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, and, and, and since being here, 
haven't learned anything from Tracy yet, so I don't know. No, no, just kidding. No, 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 no. Of course not. No. Tracy, uh, I, yeah, I guess this is my last sermon. So, um, Tracy's, you know, you know what I love? Tracy's preaching is kind of sneaky, kind of sneaky, because he's, he's kind of like buddy, buddy, come on alongside with me as, as we talk about God and life in the Bible, and then all of a sudden, wham, you get smacked with something really convicting, you're like, oh, I didn't even see that coming, I thought this was my buddy over here, you know? <laughs> When I, when I preach, I'm not necessarily as, as sneaky. I, I'm a little more screamy. I, just, I don't know. Get, get fired up and just shout. But uh, Tracy's uh, he's helped me order my priorities in my life in a better way. Uh, to delegate more in some areas and to be more in, you know, involved in other areas. To think about the big picture. To avoid getting caught up in the details you know, in light of that big picture. I really like the details. Uh, but Tracy uh, is like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's, take, let's take a step back. What's really going on here? And he's helped me do that. Uh, and, but maybe more than anything, he's taught me to just control what I can control, which is really just me. You know, and when you start to take that, that, just that life mantra, control what you can control, everything gets so much simpler. It really does. And there's so much more peace and joy and less anxiety just because, you know what? I can't really do anything about that, but God's going to work it out, and I've got great faith that he's going to do it. And, and Tracy and Phyllis have provided for us just a great vision of what parenting three kids should look like as our children grow and mature. It's cool that, um, you know, we're, we're in the middle of our uh, fifth school year at the U of I, uh, but when we, when we got here, Caleb was just three months old. You know, and we, didn't, we just had Caleb and he was three months old. But now it's like growing and maturing. Man, it's been invaluable to have somebody in my life along all the stages uh, of, our, of our parenting so far to say, man, I don't even know what to do with this. Can you help out? Yeah. And uh, for, for them to provide good and godly insight. Uh, I want to close uh, just with this quick passage in Hebrews. And we're going to close there in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. I love the book of Hebrews, and I want to remind you, because we don't have time to talk about the context now, but I want to remind you that before it starts here, chapter 1 and 2 talk about Jesus. And they talk about, it's kind of like if you want a resume of Jesus, just, you know, you go to the beginning of the book of Hebrews and read those first two chapters, and it tells you all about him and why we should listen to him, and he's even greater than the angels. We really ought to listen to everything that he says. And when you really read this passage in light of that, it, man, it's so important. But he says here, and this is direct instruction to disciples about how we should interact with one another. And he says in verse 12, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See to it that none of you has a sinful... See to it. And this verse says plainly that it is our responsibility to make sure that this does not happen. To see to it. Make sure that no one turns away from God. And make sure that no one is deceived by sin. The goal is to keep our hearts soft and to know the truth. Not be infected by the lies that are fed to us by sin 
and to encourage one another. And the, the, the main thing that gets in the way of, of, of having a, a soft heart is, is just sin. So naturally, in order to reach our goal, which would be that no one would turn away from God and no one would be deceived by sin, we encourage one another. And let's just talk about that for one minute uh, as we close. Encouragement is not, hey, bro, I love those shoes. Yeah, it is, kind of. But encouragement, and, and maybe sometimes it is, but encouragement, as the Bible is talking about, means that we're giving our support and advice so that our brothers and our sisters will either start doing something or will continue doing something that adheres to what was uh, said right here. Not being deceived by sin and not turning away from the Lord. Real encouragement says, you can do this. Why? Because you've been given everything that you need to live a godly life. You can choose the divine nature. In order for us to do our very best to encourage one another daily and to see to it that none of us have this sinful, unbelieving heart, we're going to just need to make some plans to try to obey this biblical command. Uh, we're going to continue talking about discipleship as we move forward in this month, but my prayer for us all this morning is that we would take on the attitude that we will make every effort to add to our faith. Add to your, make every effort to add to your faith. And then, take on the responsibility, not just for yourself, but for your brothers and sisters. Say, see to it that nobody has a sinful and unbelieving heart. In order to get to know somebody at the heart level, you're going to have to have some great, maybe difficult, conversations. But these are the conversations that will help us be faithful for the rest of our days.